Coming up on Tech Thing, holiday travel hacks, Raspberry Pi invasion, how often should your router get updates, a word about ohms, and more HDMI ports. It's all coming up next on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show. You can make it happen at patreon.com slash techthing. We're brought to you by viewers just like you. Thank you so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. You know what doesn't behave? My cats when I put up a Christmas tree. Hence why I'm wearing this shirt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can see that very well. You're Aww. welcome. Yeah, that's that's my cat. Have you ever had like <laughs> the cat up at the top of the Christmas tree and take the whole thing out? <gasps> no. We almost, the, the Christmas tree came over, my dad reached up, grabbed the, the, the stick, the trunk of the Christmas tree, and the cat shot out, oh. turned around, oh, hissed no. at him, then ran to the other end of the house, probably peed on something. Oh no. <laughs> we like cats. We too like cats. And you know what else? I love my babies. <laughs> Another place that cats are super popular. Reddit. Yes. Yes, so we have a new subreddit now. <laughs> it's at reddit.com slash r slash techthingers. Tech thingers? Tech thingers. We could yes. get tech thing. <laughs> no, we couldn't. So, yeah, I know the name's a little funny. But I tried to get slash r slash tech thing, but the mod over there never replied to my request to moderate. And I couldn't take it over because I don't have enough karma points, which is apparently this big thing on Reddit. So, and he's also still active, but he's not active on the subreddit. But they'll probably care. turn out to be me. So, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't get tech thing, but I'm not going to, like, I don't know push them out or anything. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to make my own. So now I have tech thingers. Did you search Dang the it. ask at techthing.com email? No. We should check. We'll check later. You never okay. know. The ways oh, of Reddit oh. <laughs> to see if maybe they emailed us or something. You know, if he did, I would have favorited it and um, tweeted it out to places. So I don't think he ever messaged us about that. <sighs> oh, well. We got a question from Deborah. She writes in, Shannon and Patrick, you folks have said that I should look for routers that get updated regularly or switch to a third-party firmware. How often should the updates come? The router hasn't had a new firmware update in quite some time. How can I tell if this is a problem? If so, how should I go about finding a different firmware? I don't have the problem you mentioned. I have access to all the controls of the router, but the firmware hasn't seen an update in many months. Deborah. That is a great question. Yes, it is. Uh, and not seeing an update in many months is okay. For what it's worth, you should only need new firmware if A, they're adding a new feature, or B, fixing a problem, or C, to close a security flaw. Yes. Flaw, flaw, not plaw or claw, flaw. <laughs> the problem is router companies rarely bother updating older or cheaper routers. And mm -hmm. there's reasons for this because basically, um, you know, they spend as little money as possible in most cases on the software. It seems like that. You know, in a lot of cases. <laughs> and this is a general problem with the Internet of Things. It's like, let's say I have a Broadcom chipset. Mm -hmm. And Broadcom has, well, software that runs that chipset. Okay. Should I develop a clean, crisp, new, and exciting you know, software application to run on this embedded device that allows complete and total control and absolute accountability of my code for its performances? Or should I just slap yeah. on an interface, make a couple of changes, and implement what I need to and get it out the door? Aww. Yeah, it's usually what happens. Yeah. And I'm not trying to, to be mean, but it's like there's, you know, the less you spend on software development, the more money you make. Um, as a very poor rule of thumb, if your router has had one update, say, oh, six weeks after it was released, this is kind of a classic router thing. Like the router <laughs> ships, and a lot of motherboards, it ships, and then a few weeks later, there's an update. Yay. And then nothing. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> That means it's probably not getting a lot of attention from the router manufacturer. Yeah. Um, 
it is what it is. You know, and if all the features work and the performance is fine and everything's hunky and dory, you can go on like that halfway till forever until somebody exposes a security flaw. There <laughs> um, you go. And that's where things <laughs> get kind of interesting. Like the, the yeah. uh, K-Codes NetUSB, that, that flaw that turned out this summer, it exposes routers that share a drive or a printer over USB ports. Not all USB ports, not all USB ports on routers are affected, right? Uh, and not all routers are affected, but um, you know, SEC listed like 26 companies that license the code. Uh, that and it's 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 messy. I mean, if your router is impacted, hopefully there's a fix. Uh, at the very least, your manufacturer probably has like you know we have become aware of the issues involving you know K codes, USB blah 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 blah. This is a list of the routers that are fixed, and then there's like a status like you know firmware, 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 and then the other classic one is you know end of life product yes. you know, update for you. Um, we do have the link to that information too. Yeah, and if, if you do see if they're like end of life, no support, um, that's the perfect time to update to something like DDWRT, which is essentially open source. You know, everybody can look at the code. It's community updated software. For example, for my old router, if you go to, if you do a search on dd-wrt, not all routers have open source firmware options. It depends on the chipsets that are inside of them. But there's this great collection of information on the router. In some cases, more information on the router than is actually on the website for it. Although I will say Netgear did a pretty good job, you know, supporting the N600 um, in terms of sort of the FAQ and troubleshooting stuff. But, you know, I also got to say, you know, that I've got an Archer C7 now, TP-Link, one of the things I like is they actually date their software updates. I've, I've noticed some <laughs> router good. manufacturers are kind of like hiding yeah. the update <laughs> dates now. So you can't tell that there was one update five years ago. They just have the latest update. That's all you need to know. <laughs> update this and you'll be fine. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, in most cases, ah, your, your router's probably fine. You mm -hmm. probably don't need a firmware update. Uh, until you find out you desperately need one or your router's getting yeah. old. But it's funny, there's a lot of reason to upgrade a router. We'll talk about some of those later on. The most exciting one right now might be uh, a story you were talking about on ThreatWire yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. So I didn't actually end up talking about it on ThreatWire, oh. but well, it was one of the <laughs> major stories of the week. So um, over on SEC Consult, uh, they actually did a whole article on this. So industry-wide HTTPS certificates and SSH key reuse endangers millions of devices worldwide. And there's a lot of them, several, several, several millions. It's kind of scary, um, but this is, this is a pretty big issue that needs to be fixed. So basically, there's millions of devices, mm -hmm. and in many cases, a manufacturer assigned um, like one uh, SSH host key or X509 right. certificate right. for all for of the all widgets they sold. Yeah, exactly, for all of them. So if <laughs> I have access to that information, can I possibly do like a man-in-the-middle attack or exploit that hardware? Yeah, man-in-the-middle attack is a major issue with this, uh, this exploit, mm -hmm. and possibly a lot of other vulnerabilities as well, so. so in its illogical scary. extreme, somebody could, if my light bulbs on my Internet of Thing enabled house used Wi-Fi yeah. instead of, say, Zigbee <laughs> or something, um, they could potentially take advantage of an exploit to hack into my yes, home network could. using my light bulbs. They totally could. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> I just wanted to lay that out there. Yeah. It's a theory. <laughs> I might be wearing tinfoil under my scally cap right now. Well, we um, both are. <laughs> yeah, it's what happens when you start learning about network security. Um, but it's an interesting article. We'll, we'll put a, a link to the SEC Consult article up mm -hmm. on the, uh, in the show notes. But it's, it's interesting. Beware of how many holes you're opening up in your home network. Mm -hmm. Turn on all the security. And uh, 
We'll talk Close more about routers. Ports. Yeah. <laughs> well, they should be closed from the factory. Have you changed your password on your router? Tell me you're yes. not using admin admin. Or zero 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 zero. Or well, whatever came from the factory. <laughs> I still yeah. run into routers that have factory settings. Admin. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. Don't do that. No. Darren, what else should we not do? Thanks, Patrick. What you shouldn't do is delve into software-defined radio because it can be a rabbit hole, as we've found every time we've done so on Hack 5. There's so much amazing theory to get into that has to do with the speed of light in the ionosphere. But if you're looking to just hack some remotes and get the job done quick and easy with a WAV file, you can do that and find out how over at hack5.org this week. This week's Rapid Fire Roundup is three product reviews in three minutes, hopefully. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Go. All right, the SanDisk UltraFit 128GB USB 3.0 flash drive. It sticks out a little bit from the side of my laptop, but it has doubled the storage capacity of my laptop. It snugs nicely into a Raspberry Pi, and it's really easy to lose in your giant laptop bag, just so <laughs> you know. Uh, now, this is the reason I have a little case for all of my little USB devices and another case for all of my cables. But it doesn't stick out that much. It's so cute. They're down to 28 bucks now. What? 128 gigabytes of storage and a little tiny form factor wow. for 128. Reliable? Excuse me, for 28 bucks. Extremely. Cool. It is, it is basically doubled the capacity of my laptop. You know, the trick is to make sure you put this side of the laptop sticking up. Yeah. Not, not the other side. <laughs> I probably should pull it out, but I'm not and deal with it. Number two, c4labs.net. These are, they, I like these people. This is the invasion for Raspberry Pi 2MB+. Plus. so um, cute. We're really big fans of C4 Lab Zebra, and since I started carrying my Raspberry Pis yes. inside the Zebra cases, I have no more problems breaking surface mount components off while they rattle inside of my pack. <laughs> if you want something more stylish, this thing, the Invasion, um, you know, it's like the top platform lifts off. Oh, let's come on, Darren, cut back. Oh, yes, <laughs> the top platform lifts off, uh, and it's pretty cool. So you can basically swap the micro SD cards right here. Um, it's a, basically a sandwich. You turn it upside down, you drop the Raspberry Pi on. Um, it's slotted for fans if you want to put a fan on there because you're an overclocking fool. Cool. Um, GPIO boards will fit, but you may have to pull out the side panels if they have, say, RCA jacks. Um, it's really, it's stylish. Stylish if you don't want to like, you know, hide your Raspberry Pi in a corner. Mm -hmm. um, they also have something if you're not into black. Uh, the Rebel for the Raspberry Pi. This one's $16.99. The one cool. I was just holding up is $19.99. Um, this is the printout for the top of the Rebel, which has plenty of space for GPIO oh, cards. It's, awesome. it's sort of open on the bottom. Um, yeah, they have literally like all of the information on all the Raspberry Pis oh, cool. and the GPIO header etched into there. Um, they're made in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, if you want to seriously nerd out, go there and start looking at all the cases. Um, and they, they actually will sell you um, for $2 uh, the heat sinks, the little aluminum oh, heat nice. sinks on there. And there's three of them, one for each of the chips on the Raspberry Pi. That's great. Number three, iFixit's new ProTech toolkit. Caveat emptor, uh, look, I, I, I've known the iFixit people for a long time. They do advertise with this week's computer hardware, which is a show I do. Um, but as Shannon will tell you, I own like four of these. My I'm wife so has glad one. You do. <laughs> I have one in the truck, I have one at work. Um, this is the new uh, Pro Toolkit. Uh, the biggest change, um, more bits and better packaging. Instead of the latch case from the old ProTech, there's a magnetic lid with individual slots for each driver. A much nicer aluminum driver and 10 more bits, so you have 64 bits total. Um, one of the things I really love about this, there's a magnet board inside of here to hold your screws, which means, well, it's probably, it's actually to so hold smart. 
this, but if you pull this off, you can put your screws on here, um, just like they have for their magnetic uh, toolboard. That's cool. They have a ton of spudgers, a small suction cup for pulling screens off, um, you know, angled and straight uh, electrostatic discharge safe tweezers. I fix its Jimmy, which is like the oyster knife of cracking open electronic cases, Jimmy. Uh, and it's a very nicely fitted roll case, and of course, there's an ESD strap that I will never use, <laughs> uh, but it's there. I gotta say, it's a nice update, same price as the previous version, like $65, and uh, I like it. He was it. excited. I was excited. He came came up to my computer desk and was like, oh. <gasps> Look! <laughs> Look at the thing! Well, it's also, because like it's just so nice to just lift off the top instead of opening the side case. I hate the latch, because it would always mess up my nails. There you have it. <laughs> Save your nails. So important. I know they're totally chipped right now, yeah. but whatevs. <laughs> well, and, uh, and it's also for, for the person that's typing right now and about to write, and you know I can get those tools for less money off of Amazon.com. That's okay. The person you're buying them from on Amazon.com isn't developing a gigantic database of how to repair things for the entire universe to access. That's one of the reasons I like the iFixit crew. They're like trying to, to keep things out of landfills. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you guys have checked out any really cool tech lately, definitely send them our way, ask at techthing.com. Let us know what your picks are, and who knows, maybe we'll talk about them on the show. I can think of one problem. What? With the ProTech Toolkit. There's not a lot of space to add additional tools in there. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, there's always something you, you find. You want to accessorize. Accessorize. That's a good point. Probably, if it, maybe I could lose a pair of the tweezers, Ned, and something else. Our rapid fire round is done. Ask at techthing.com. You may find yourself staring at a computer in the next few days thinking, I really got to buy those tickets to go home for Christmas or to go somewhere else for Christmas or just to travel, period, and thinking, <laughs> I don't want to do this. That is okay because Shannon, ladies and gentlemen, has a dog pile of holiday travel hacks that's designed to just, just let, you know, it's going to suck. No matter how awesome <laughs> your flight home is, if you're going home for Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or anything else or Yule. because you're Yule, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, traveling in December is a nightmare, but Shannon's going to ease your pain as much as possible yeah. using technology. It can be really stressful. Yeah. I mean, I know, coming home for Thanksgiving, it was a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets even worse whenever you're in a like, crazy hurry. Right. So I've got some tips to make sure that your travel days are a little less headache-inducing and hopefully safer, too. So hopefully you've already got your flights booked, but if you haven't, sign up for notifications over on hipmunk.com. It's a great website that lets you track different searches. So let's say I'm going to Oakland to Los Angeles for, you know, for CES. Not a holiday one, Probably but I can show Vegas you how it works. Probably go to Vegas instead of Los Angeles. Oh yeah, Vegas. That's what <laughs> I meant. So after it does a search query, you can sign up for this little box over here that says Fair Alerts. So you click on that, put in your email, and it'll send you an alert every mm -hmm. single day, and it'll give you a nice graph of what days are better to buy what days are going down in price and it always alerts you as soon as those prices change so I always get the best prices very useful site highly recommend now when booking make sure that your layovers are in a warmer climate city <laughs> <laughs> I know from experience Chicago is the bane of my existence whenever there is a, even a chance of snow it seems like everything gets canceled it's an awesome city in the summertime. Love going to Chicago, just not in the winter. Well, you're not even talking about going to Chicago. You're talking about like, like you layover. do not want. To, yeah, you don't. You do not want to go to yeah. Missouri 
from the California by way of O'Hare in Chicago or whatever yeah, airport is uh, the Detroit. I've had I've had canceled layovers in mm -hmm. Detroit and um, Denver is really bad for that. So so keep that in mind. Maybe get your fly south on in the winter. Get your south on. Don't like staying in the airport <laughs> overnight. It's so very I've important. And if you're a taller person or maybe you need a little bit of extra room in your seat, use Seat Guru over at SeatGuru.com. This is a great website for finding out which seats are best on practically any plane for any airline it's that's really available. Cool. It's very, very cool. They'll even have like uh, comments and suggestions and tips from other users who will you know, give different seats a rating, so you always know what kind of seat you're going to get and how much leg room you'll have. Very important for our taller viewers, I know. <laughs> or wider viewers like me. Wider viewers, Seats too. are so narrow. <laughs> Forward your plans over to TripIt once you have signed up for an account on TripIt.com or if you want to sign up for TripIt Pro, it's cost like 49 bucks a year, I think. Some uh, different credit cards and things like that will give you a free version of TripIt for cool. a year, so mm -hmm. that's really nice too. Pro tip, yay! Uh, fast notifications for delays, for cancellations. TripIt notified me of a cancellation long before the screens at the airport were even updated, so I had my new flight ticket in hand before everyone else was even like lining up at the counter. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's it's like it made it totally worth it for me. And after that, I was like, all right, I'm paying for this. Okay. So that's the paid version or the free <laughs> yeah, version? Yeah, it was the paid version. And I was just like, you know, I'm good now. I am happy. I will <laughs> gladly pay for this. If it means I don't have to stand in line and be stressed out at the airport, I can just run up and get my ticket and go. Or sleep at LAX. <laughs> that happened to me once. Oh, no. That was a long night. <laughs> LAX is not a happy airport to stay overnight in. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, another thing to mention, consider the price of parking your car at the airport. And will the lot be full? When I went to San Francisco Airport for huh. Thanksgiving, the lot was full and I had to look for alternative parking. So look into alternative forms of transportation. If you do drive, take a photo of the parking lot signs or oh, drop yeah. a pin wherever on your smartphone's do map both. so you know where you parked. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really easy to forget after like those long nights spending time with your grandparents and your family like drinking eggnog or whatever you do. It's pretty easy to forget wherever you parked whenever you want to get back to your car. Uh, if you hate dealing with long security lines, whenever mm -hmm. you go to the airport, if they cause you anxiety, they do to me, consider a couple of different options. First off, yeah. there is clear at clearme.com. Uh, this lets you skip the wait line at TSA in 13 major airports across the U.S. anytime. It costs 179 bucks per year. Extra people in your family are 50 bucks per person. Mm -hmm. That's at clearme.com. But pro tip, retailmenot.com has coupon codes. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. So you can get a few months free whenever you sign up. And they have a referral program, too, so you can continue to get free months. <laughs> <laughs> you just I look for these deals. <laughs> she does. Heck, yes, she I do. couponing issues. <laughs> TSA PreCheck. TSA PreCheck, yeah. So that's the other one that is now available, which, mm -hmm. you know, my own personal opinions of the TSA aside, uh, this is $85 mm -hmm. for five years. So it's a lot less cheaper than clear. It lets you skip the line whenever your boarding pass says that you qualify. Qualify. So it might right. not happen every single time you want to go through security, but it will still help you save some time at the airport if the lines are crazy, crazy long. For what it's worth, I have a friend of mine who's literally flying almost every weekend this year. Like literally, I think he's flying oh 40 gosh. weeks this year. He is in love with TSA PreCheck. I've, I've heard good things about it. And right. it also lets you like keep your shoes on. 
It's the little things. Surprise. (laughs) Uh, For the airport, once you actually get through TSA, bring Mm -hmm. a surge protector, bring a USB adapter, a portable battery, extra cables for your gadgets. If a gadget cable fails, you don't want to be screwed. So bring an extra one just in case. A portable travel battery is extremely important. The wire cutter has this excellent write-up that they recently updated it in August of 2015. With their favorite portable batteries. And yes, Anchor is at the top of the list. I own two Anchor batteries and two hack shot batteries, and I never travel with less than 27,000 milliamp hours of power because I'm a freak. And well, again, if you, but if you, if you, if you're in a place where you don't have access to power or if you're on a long flight or if you're going to be traveling a lot, it's awesome to be able, especially if you're in a car, um, it's so nice to actually be able to use your device the entire time and still have it work when you get to the other end. Uh, it's a must-have. A three-into-one plug where yeah. you have one plug comes in and three come out. You know, they sell them at the supermarket. They sell them at hardware stores. That could be like, or like one of that. That would be the fancy yeah. version. A little Belkin surge protector, for example. Even like a squid. Those mm-hmm. those ones that have the movable ones in case you don't have a lot of room at the, the outlets at your airport. Airports are getting better about sharing their electricity, but there's still a lot of airports where there's one outlet and yeah. all of the hardcore business people will be gathered around <laughs> it holding sticks. But if you walk up <laughs> with a splitter, they'll probably let you play. Yeah, they might be a little bit nicer to you. <laughs> uh, day passes for lounges? Yeah, so if you feel like splurging, if mm-hmm. you feel like splurging for a lounge pass, or maybe you get a good deal with your credit card agency, hmm. loungebuddy.com is a really great great place to look for uh, uh, different lounges in your airport. It's incredibly useful to tell you what lounges are available for how much per day. Uh, Viewers also review it as well, or people that use the application. So maybe your credit card actually lets you use it at the lounge, so that would be good as well. Maybe it gives you a free pass for Mm -hmm. a day, like once per year or something like that. Christmas time would be a great time to use that. (laughs) It might also be worth it to check since those airports are going to be insane. It might give you a little bit of extra room to power your things and it might give you free snacks. Free snacks is awesome. (laughs) Gateguru.com, another excellent app that I've used several times. It's very, very good for airport information. Does it list the food by your gate? It does. Yes! Yes! Oh, man, it's so great. I love it. (laughs) Wait, there's an in and out? I only have to walk to the other side of the airport and back? Done. I don't think there is an in and out in an airport. There should be. <laughs> now for the safety tip for getting online, ditch the free airport Wi-Fi. Just don't even go there. It's super easy yeah. for someone with the right tools to target you and steal your digital data via any of those shared wireless access points. Woo-hoo! So bring your own prepaid hotspot or a mobile data plan that allows you to tether and doesn't cost a ton of money because mm-hmm. some of them are really expensive. The wire cutter has a great update as of December 1st. So just yesterday. Or two days ago. Uh, what's, what's today? It's the second, right? It okay. all bleeds One together. day ago. <laughs> Recently. So this will not only keep you safe, but it'll give you internet access, especially if there's a ton of people around. So when on your flight tethering. as well. I love tethering. Tethering's great. Uh, when on your flight, opt out of that in-flight wireless. I've found it to be usually incredibly slow. And given how many people are going to be wanting right. to connect over Christmas time, it's probably going to be There's always worse. four people trying to watch Netflix simultaneously yeah. on the airplane. And it never works that well. So no. unless you're just like wanting to check email, I would say skip it. <laughs> uh, use that time to relax. Catch us up on a good book or get some last minute work done if you really, really have to. You could also consider bringing your favorite pair of noise isolating or noise canceling headphones because there's going to be a lot of like crying babies on the plane who, who are adjusting 
adjusting their the air pressure coming mm -hmm. into their ears. It's going to be painful for them. You know, kids playing games on tablets, which sometimes parents don't give them headphones for that. Drunk you can hear people. everything. Drunk people, yes. The guy having an animated conversation about his insurance business next to you with his yeah. friend in the seat in front of you who won't swap <sighs> seats with you because he has to have a freaking window seat, so they yell back and forth to each other. <laughs> oh, that was a great flight. It's not just babies, people. <laughs> There's all sorts of airplane noises. All sorts. <laughs> not to mention just the built-in airplane yeah. noise. So uh, Bose makes some excellent ones. These have been top of the line for years, yeah. and I've seen plenty of people using them. I haven't bought any myself because they are rather expensive. Uh, but Bose Quiet Comfort 20, if you like in-ear, and then there's the Bose Quiet Comfort mm -hmm. 25 acoustic noise-canceling headphones for $299, per, uh, $299 yeah. uh, and those, those are, are over-ear. Those are pretty much the standard for uh, noise-canceling headphones. Yeah. Uh, once you arrive at your destination after your flight, hopefully you've got a ride to the hotel or have a family member picking you up or something like that. See if uh, there's an available public transportation or an available app. So Uber is becoming very popular across the United States. It's, uh, it's and China. going all over the place. I think they've even opened up one in Japan. I'll have to check again, but I'm pretty sure there's one in Japan. Mm -hmm. Lyft.com, you can also download their app. They're very useful. And Sidecar, which lets people give you on-demand delivery of a car if you need to. So all of those are available in different areas. So look into it. Look into public transportation for your city. Buses, even subways. Consider downloading rental car apps for quick and useful information. You might even get a discount if you download their app. Mm -hmm. Check if your credit card or insurance already covers rental cars so you don't over-insure. Yeah. That's actually a thing. It's, so well, call ahead of time. They're going to, I mean, they are getting harder and harder at rental car companies, they are pushing the people there to be like, you know, you really should get the lost damage waiver. It'll come. Oh, well, yeah. they won't say they really should, but they'll do all sorts of other insinuating language that suggests yep. that you are dumber than a sack of country rocks <laughs> if you don't buy all of their additional coverage, much or all of which may already be applied by your insurance, insurance. that you have already paid yep. for. It's so true. That's over-insuring. Yeah. So, and consider your mileage too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times they want you to prepay for the gas that you're going to use. It might be cheaper to just pay for the gas yourself as opposed to prepaying at the rental agency. Mm -hmm. I always I always just pay for the gas myself. Right. I'm like, okay, I'll fill up the tank when I get back. So that way I know exactly how, how much I've used. And that's all I've paid for. And especially if you're in the Midwest, whoa, gas is like crazy cheap out there. Yeah, so just fill up cheaper yourself. than California. It's insane. Gasbuddy.com, excellent if you're taking a road trip to get home for the holidays. Uh, they tell you the lowest price wherever you are. It's so <laughs> If you're driving awesome. to California, <laughs> Fuel up before you cross the state line from Nevada <laughs> or Oregon. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> or, you know, anywhere else you're coming to the state from. Almost done in the event that your luggage is lost, and hopefully that doesn't mm -hmm. happen. Bring all of your ID cards, your cards, etc., on a carry-on. Maybe even one change of clothes along with right. your toiletries. Yeah, it might take up a little bit more t room in your backpack, but you know, at least you'll be safe that way. Take pictures of your IDs. Take mm -hmm. pictures of things with your smartphone so that it'll be easier to replace if it is stolen. Uh, if you do choose to store pictures like that in a cloud storage account, just make mm -hmm. sure that that storage account is secure. Yeah, <laughs> two-factor authentication. Yeah, two-factor. Uh, also, to find missing luggage, you could use a GPS locator like the TrackDot. So this is uh, about 70 bucks right now. I've seen it vary on Amazon, but it's, it's basically a, a little, it's a GPS phone? locator that you turn on, you put in your luggage, 
and it ties to your account online. <laughs> it goes to sleep while it's traveling, and then when it lands and it's still for a bit of time, uh -huh. it'll turn back on. It'll relocate itself, like triangulation with. Why is my luggage towers. in Houston? Yeah, and then you can figure out what airport your luggage is actually at. So it's kind of cool. It's a monster list. Yeah, I, I think that's everything. So that's how I survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it for now. Just pair these tips with mm -hmm. my top, top tech travel gear, which I've mentioned previously in episodes. 29. For example, the one that we just switched to, yeah, episode 29, where we discussed my tech travel gear. There's also the different ways that you can store all of your photos on external drives. And we also discussed the updated version of one of those drives in episode... It looks so somber. 32 or something. <laughs> yeah, so I'll have all the links straight to those YouTube channel or YouTube videos in the show notes as well. That's everything. Shannon likes her travel. I do. Once it's anxiety-free. If you're a fan of Tech Thing, make sure you subscribe at techthing.com on iTunes or youtube.com slash techthing. That makes sure you get each and every episode. And if you want to take it to the next level, consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. Do I do a good impression? Oh, you do a great impression. <laughs> I'm not done yet. You can donate however much you want per episode and every little bit counts. Hey, if you can't donate, no worries. Please take the time to send us questions, tips, and to share the show with your friends and family and give our video the thumbs up on YouTube and liking our Facebook page at all helps. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I hope that wasn't too weird, Patrick. <laughs> Who are you? I I'm Patrick you. Norton. <laughs> hey, we got a message from one of your friends. <laughs> Was that me? <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> uh, one of Patrick's friends called and said, I'm getting on a plane at 4 p.m. and I need to fix my brother and sister-in-law's Wi-Fi before I go. What should I do? <laughs> Literally, this happened over the holiday. Um, okay, some background in this case. The house is your basic Orange County big giant house. Um, the router is on one side of the house. It's a U-shaped house with a courtyard. Uh, mm -hmm. And he found the router was downstairs in a closet. Probably oh, the no. worst scenario for Wi-Fi propagation, except for being in a giant office building made of concrete. Um, the current router was two or three years old, and he wasn't even sure if it would do N. It was an aging router. Step one, relocate the router. The old router is now upstairs where the family spends most of their time, and it's no longer in a closet, which means one less wall between everybody and the router. That's Get good. your router out of the closet. Let it be a router. <laughs> <laughs> Step two. New router, because you know relocating the router helped and made it work better, but there were still dead spots in the house. Uh, as the wire cutter's David Murphy told us earlier this year when he came on the show, the wire cutter is so awesome. A new router can make a big difference in performance. Better radios, better antenna designs, more sensitive receivers, they all make for better range, and AC is pretty badass if your laptop or gadgets have it. He found the $90 TP-Link Archer C7 outperform routers that cost twice as much, this is a good thing, and recommends the Netgear R6400 if you want even more uh, 11 AC performance. You might think you don't need an AC router, just get one. Uh, one, it'll be in your next laptop or desktop, and two, AC routers make 802.11 and suck a lot less. Yes. The difference between an 802.11 laptop with and without AC, at least in my house, is spectacular, and it's not a big house. Um, 
I suspect because of this crazy house layout, it's a big U-shape, mm -hmm. they're still gonna have dead spots um, even with a new router. Um, if there's ethernet in the house, it would be great to add an additional router or access point on the far side of the house, pretty much wherever it doesn't work. Uh, power line is another option that works fairly well for a lot of people. Yeah. Extenders are okay, but they can be slow and flaky, especially single band ones, because single band ones kind of go, oh, here's the packets, oh, and yeah. there they go. I need more packets, and here you go. Dual band routers, which basically means it'll talk to your device at one end and the router on the other band, uh, uh, are cool. Get a dual band one that'll work with your AC router. Get an AC router. Get a, if your router is like more than two or three years old, get a new router before you start buying extenders. Yeah. I'm just saying. I should probably get my mom a new router. <laughs> a few years. At Christmas. <laughs> Greg in Canada writes, I'm running out of HDMI ports on my Denon AVR 791. With TV set-top, game consoles, Roku, <laughs> etc., ports are rare. Is there a good HDMI switch that would also work well with the Logitech Harmony remotes? I even see that Monoprice sells some, and he linked us Ooh. to Monoprice. Thanks, Greg in Canada. Hmm. So Monoprice, yeah, that's awesome. It, they have pretty much everything you could ever need these days. Yeah. They even have their own like tube amps. Who knew? Seriously, tube amps. Tube amps. That's so weird. It's crazy. Monoprice's 1080p HDMI switches have a good rep reputation. I know Patrick, you actually I have recently one. used one, right? Yeah, he linked to one of the new 4K like five by one HDMI switches. But yeah. if you go back a step, you will see that you know they've got like hundreds. Their reviews are pretty honest. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, 412 reviews five stars. I mean, this stuff works. Uh, our friend Robert over at uh, HeronFidelity.com is a huge fan of JTEC Digital. They, that's his new favorite sort of switch, HDMI switch manufacturer. Uh, they offer both 1080p and 4K versions, three HDMI ports into one or five HDMI ports into one. Get a 4K switch if you need 4K because you have a 4K television or you want to future-proof. Um, and any switch with an IR remote should work just fine with your Logitech Harmony remote. It's, they just work. You just, you know, you, you hit Blu-ray and all the things get switched and it's nice. It's so <laughs> and nice. And Paul's got a headphone tip. He writes, hey, Patrick and Shannon, I use a pair of... Odyssey. 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 EL8 headphones for my general listening nice and headphones. they have an impedance of only 32 ohms. They require very little power to run and they sound great with my iPhone 6 when I'm out and about. Just thought I would bring up ohms when deciding if you would benefit from mm -hmm. a headphone amp. I found that you need a pair of headphones that is at least 100 ohms before it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Unless you want the benefit of 24-bit 192 kilohertz audio you can get from a desktop DAC. That's a whole, well, he says it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a whole other can of worms that you guys could spend an entire episode or two on. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the show. You guys do an awesome job from Paul. Thank you, Paul. Um, look, that's an excellent rule of thumb on ohm ratings for headphones. Oh, yeah. With that in mind, technically, these uh, Hi-Fi Man HE400 headphones are 35 ohm headphones, and I will admit, my iPhone 6 can drive them no problem. They sound good, but I have to turn up the volume way higher than I would with most other headphones. Mm -hmm. um, that said, these aren't really headphones you would take for a walk or on the train to work. They're an open back design. Yeah. They're kind of giant. They weigh a lot. But yes, I agree. That is, 100 ohms is an excellent cutting point for definitely needing a headphone amp, although having a really crappy uh, sound card in your laptop or your motherboard is another reason to get a DAC and or headphone amp. All right. That's a whole nother conversation. Yes, it is. Remember, kids, <laughs> once in a while, Put down the phone, step away from the screen, close the laptop, and do something analog. I know. <laughs> Go to an ice rink. We have one in the mall by our house. 
That, we have it, one. Yes, there's, there's a pop-up ice rink. Okay, that's kind of awesome. That is kind of awesome. Because it's probably not as cold. There's another one. It's outdoors. <laughs> it's at UnionSquareIceRink.com. Uh, this one is the. Is the where is this one? My personal favorite is still the one at Rockefeller Center. Oh yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of them. Yeah, this is in Union Square, San Francisco. Yeah. So there's tons of ice wear rinks your thick pants. all over the place. Yeah, wear thick pants. ice hurts even more than it did when you were little. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Bank. It's time for this week's rapid fire roundup, and we've got three different product reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, you're coming into the shot. That's because I want to be in the shot all the time. <laughs> uh, let's start on Patrick single, and he can bring me in. Uh, Excuse me. He can bring me in. <laughs> <laughs> bring it home. In three, two. You may find yourself preparing right now for the holiday traveling thieves, the season, season, the season. It's the reason for the season. In three, two. What, you don't play with your toys? I haven't peeled the paper off the letters yet. Oh, can I do it? Can I do it? it I makes love you this part. Creepily happy. Yes. Look, kids, let's take things apart. Today on Taking Things Apart with Patrick and Shannon, I'm going to take apart a Raspberry Pi enclosure. There he goes. <laughs> this is the best part, is being able to take off the, the paper. bits. Don't come out. No, really, the bits don't come out. Ever. That's how they keep them safe. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, I did tell you about my cats. <laughs> <laughs>